nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. So welcome to another episode of the Zika Health Show. This is weight management expert, Narado Zico Powell. And I have a blockbuster episode for you today. One that I haven't talked about enough on my episodes and we need to really discuss today. And it's intermittent fasting. So of course, I have an intermittent fasting expert, Brian Grin. Yes, grin like the smile. And this episode, we're going to talk about so many things, but in general, the best ways to start intermittent fasting, its impact on metabolic health, which is very important because intermittent fasting is not just not eating. There's a proper way to go about it with your protocol. Its impact on muscle building, because yes, you can build lean muscle while intermittent fasting. I've done it for years. Tips to overcome hunger and a whole lot more. And with that being said, let's welcome Brian Grin to the show. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for being here, man. My audience is really going to benefit from the work and the things that we're going to talk about today. So thanks for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. Let's dive right, let's dive right in, my friend. Tell us about yourself and tell us about your work. Yeah, well, I am uh, just based out of Chicago, and I've been in the health and wellness industry for about 20 years now. It goes by fast. Uh, I initially started training clients in the gym and realized after a few years of doing that, that I needed to maybe focus a little bit more on, you know, nutrition and how food affects us. Uh, because, you know, it's, you know, getting results in the gym is one thing, but I found that the missing piece of the puzzle was, um, eating when to eat, what to eat, things like that. So just started educating myself even more. I had a client who, who, who actually got me interested in intermittent fasting. Uh, she was pre-diabetic and started just doing all her own fasting on her, on her own and got great results from it. And I was just sort of watching from, from the, from the sideline and realized, wow, this is something special. Like, you know, I've, I've known about it just through, you know, religions and things like that, but didn't know that it could be really a, a, such a tool in the, in the, in the toolbox to use, um, for a lot of different metabolic reasons. And I'm sure we'll talk about them today. Um, and so, yeah, I just been on this journey of helping people uh, heal and use fasting as, as the main tool. Um, and just have grown it into, I have a fat burner blueprint, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get into maybe a little bit, but, um, yeah, so I, I love what I do and I just love helping others. I mainly work with middle-aged men and women, I'd say, and, um, just helping them get, get, get where they want to go. So, so you usually work with people around my age and is what you're saying. <laughs> oh, you're young. You're young. <laughs> um, young is subjective, right? Young is subjective. That's true. But intermittent fasting. Yeah, it is. It is, it is so huge. And like I said, it's not just not eating. But it plays so many important roles if implemented properly. A couple episodes before this one, I have a scientist, Jonathan Wolf, on the show. And he talked about us always being, or most of us being in that 
post meal phase all the time where your body is constantly breaking down food. It never really, your digestion never gets a break. Your body never gets a time to repair and heal itself and lower inflammation, lower oxidative stress. I told you before the interview of how intermittent fasting has been a state of like a staple in me getting over my asthma and healing my gut and so on and so forth. So thank you for being here, Brian, because uh, like I said, this is going to be a big one. <laughs> now, I'm oh, sorry. Now, with that being said, man, uh, what is intermittent fasting? Because I think a lot of people don't really know. So break that down for us. Yeah, I mean, I'll just keep it simple. I know uh, it's it's really going periods of time without eating, abstaining from food and food and, and essentially abstaining from calories. Um, and like you mentioned, it's a way for your body to to heal. Like um, it uses up so much energy uh, if you're eating all the time and you know, so fasting is just going periods of time without eating. Um, and I think it, it, you can complicate it, but you know, I just like to keep it simple. That's one of the reasons I really do like fasting as opposed to there's, you know, all these different diets out there is it, it simplifies, you know, you're either in a fed state or in a fast state. Exactly. And that's, uh, that's again, that's very important to know, right? Cause we state you're in a fed state, you're in a fast state, fat, fasted state and no. being in a fasted state, more often can benefit a lot of us, especially when we're talking about weight loss and so on and so forth, right? And with that being said, what are the weight loss benefits of fasting, being in a fasted state? Well, I think one of the biggest things is um, the hormonal benefits. Um, for example, you know, the, the best and easiest way to lower insulin levels is through fasting um, and not only lower blood insulin, um, glucose, uh, and also increasing growth hormone is another great benefit. I love it for the, just the mental clarity and the concentration. A lot of times people think, well, if I'm not going to eat, I won't have energy, but it's actually, it's, it's the, it can be the opposite. Um, another benefit can be like cell cleansing. You know, you hear autophagy being thrown out and that's a way for your body to heal and repair, it, um, with get rid of old cells and, and almost like recycle them and bring in, you know, new cellular growth. And this is so important. It's almost like I equated to like taking your car, bringing your car in to, for an oil change and the wheels uh, aligned and things like that. So, you know, all in all, it's a way for your body to heal. We, we are doing this every, every, um, every time we go to sleep, right? And that's why sleep is so important because that's when that repair really actually happens. Right. So those, all those things that you mentioned, those benefits, like when sleep, um, cellular autophagy, which is huge, right? Because it's not just talking about just losing weight on the scale, but really your um, cells, old cells, damaged cells dying off and creating new cells. That's that's so game changing. That science is really catching up with now. Then also your hormones, rebalance your hormones, lowering insulin levels. Because a lot of, if, if intermittent fasting is, is, is done properly, then you can also feed off your own body fat which promotes fat oxidation, which also promotes weight loss, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, I think that's probably one of the main goals for a lot of people when they fast is to eventually get into what's called like fat burning mode. Um, and I think most people are in what's called sh are sugar burners and they're just relying on taking in food, burning the glucose as, as energy and doing that day in, day out. And they never really get into their fat stores um, and use those for energy. So it, it, it can take some time, but it's, it's, it's a great place to be. Now, this question I wasn't planning to ask, but now that we're on this, we're on this topic, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out. If it doesn't work, 
I just edit it out of the podcast, right? <laughs> so in the beginning, if someone is not fat adapted and they're sugar burners, would would you have you seen incidents where someone would struggle with fasting because their blood sugar may drop and may not be as stable? And what are some things that they can do once they're in that if they're in that situation? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And I would say that if, before they even maybe start fasting, perhaps they should start just planning out no, like take one step at a time. So maybe clean up your eating a little bit. If you, if you're always eating like the standard American diet, um, it's going to be more difficult to go periods of time without food because you're sort of on this, uh, glucose roller coaster and you're going to crash and burn and it, it you're going to get, you know, hangry as they say. So I'd say first and foremost, clean up your eating, even if it's just by an incremental amount, maybe instead of having cereal in the morning, you have eggs, you know, something that is an actual real food with some protein and fat and it's satiating. And then once you sort of start cleaning that up, then you can start maybe getting into no snacking. And, and then once you are, oh, I can go three meals, no snacking. Great. Then you can, you know, then you can go maybe into some longer term or extended fasts or even like skipping a meal or something like that. So your steps with, with clients is very similar to mine because I'm moving through a step-by-step -step process like that as well. If you're constantly a sugar burner, if your blood sugar is all over the place, you don't want to fast because then you're going to feel hangry. Your blood sugar is going to drop mm -hmm. because it, your body doesn't know how to handle that state. So then you're talking about slowly making changes so your body can learn to become a little bit more fat adapted, right? Yep, exactly. Okay, well, let's dive into that a little bit more then. So what is being fat adapted and how can fasting help you to achieve that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so fat adaption is, uh, you know, it pretty much refers to the body's ability to con convert fat to energy. So when you're fat adapted, you, do, you don't need a steady stream of glucose or carbs to power your day. Instead, you can tap into like a more abundant energy supply, and that would be body fat. Um, so a lot of people back, if you think back in the ancestrally, like paleolithic times, um, this was an absolute must because, you know, our ancestors didn't necessarily have 24 seven food access. So when calories became scarce, their fat mass kept them alive pretty much and often weeks on end. Um, now it's a little bit different when you have a Starbucks or McDonald's on every corner. Um, so, you know, it's really the body's ability to utilize fat depends in a large part, like we talked about the hormone insulin. And so that's where fasting comes in, where we can get insulin levels are low, and then we can get into um, a state where the body will utilize fat stores for energy. Um, and this is lipolysis, but either way, this can take some time, like we talked about and fat burning, you know, produces energy. And, and so it, it, it's a great state to be in, um, whether you fast or even some type of maybe keto, keto diet can help as well. I'm glad you brought those up because I have uh, my personal examples with those. So I cycle ketosis and I've been doing yep. it for years. I, uh, I have moments where I go for like six weeks or so um, straight ketosis, training my body to keep being fat adapted. And then at times I throw in, I start to kind of increase my carbs. So I still have the ability to burn carbs. That's why I'm a firm believer that keto should not be long-term. That's a whole different conversation. Are you, if, are you measuring your ketone levels when you're doing this, or you're just sort of basing it off how you feel? I'm basing it off how I feel. Okay. Basing it off how I feel. And um, 
And, I'll, and in addition to that, I do take exogenous ketones, so on and so forth to power my workouts, however. But with that being said, though, there's a, there, I'm able to still train, feel, feel strong, work out, do long runs while burning fat. Now, I do feel a little bit of a difference sometimes because I'm not running off glucose. It's a little different. However, I'm able to cycle ketosis. Now, with that being said, though, my body is very well adapted to burning fat and burning carbs. My, according to Lumen, which is the breathalyzer we spoke about before, mm-hmm. um, my flex score is 20 out of 21 right now. Um, and it's actually still increasing because I've been working with them for a few months and they've been tracking my score as it's increasing. And one of the reasons why, is, and actually the main reason why is because my body uses fat when I'm resting and carbs when I need it for energy. I sometimes carb load where I will eat like 100, 150 grams of carbs if I go to sleep and I take a test when I wake up in the morning and I burn fat while I was sleeping (laughs) because my body is so flexible. It knows resting time is going to burn fat, but it's going to hold on to those carbs. So when I go running and when I go training, it's going to use it at that particular time. Or my brain may use it when I'm I'm putting together my content for this wonderful podcast, Zika Hill Show, right? So, so my brain may need the carbs at that time as well. So intermittent fasting also is important in that because when I intermittent fast, I don't, which I do basically every day. And I have one day a week where I do a dinner to dinner fast. And I've been doing this for years. I don't, people look at me like I'm crazy. My <laughs> friends have said to me, because I've said to my friends, my, my Thursdays, which is my dinner to dinner fast, Wednesday, Thursday is my favorite day of the week. I feel amazing. And they're like, you, you know, you got to be hungry. Like, this is ridiculous. And they, when they're around me, they realize that it really is my favorite day of the week to where my friends would say, they'll make jokes about happy fasting day because they know that's my mm-hmm. favorite day of the week. But I know that joke, Brian, when they say don't go shopping when you're hungry because you buy everything. Always, people made that joke with me and I'll tell them, I don't, that doesn't happen to me because when I'm not eating, my metabolism is flexible to where it burns fat. So, and intermittent mm-hmm. fasting plays an important role in that in training your body to do so as well, along with the other things that I mentioned. Yeah. I mean, I, I like how you mentioned that, you know, you sort of have a schedule. I actually interviewed Dr. Jason Fung. And one of the things he talked, he loved so much about with fasting is, and what's important is having a schedule set. That doesn't mean you can't change it if something comes up or, or you have a busy week or a busy day. Um, but like you mentioned, Thursday is your day where you go Wednesday night into Thursday night. And I try to do the same. I mean, I'm pretty, I, I keep my schedule. I fast till about like, let's say two, 3 PM. And then I usually have a meal or two after that. And then I'm, I'm, I usually, I think what's most important is having a hard stop. Like people say, Oh, should I have a, what kind of schedule should I have? Well, it depends on, on what you're doing that day and, uh, with work and kids and things like that. But I think most importantly is having a hard stop and when, and when you're going to just finished eating. Um, and I'm pretty, I, I pretty, st- I pretty much stay to like six 30 at the most seven I'm done, which gives me about three, at least three hours before I go to bed. So it allows for digestion to occur and to get into a good night's sleep. I like that you mentioned too, about, um, not eating too close to bed, especially we're talking about protein and fats, cause they take longer to digest and you want to ruin your sleep quality eat within an hour or two before going to bed and you just go right down the drain. Right. Um, now 
Thanks for bringing all that up because being fat adapted is very important. And of course, we know that. And Brian can teach you a lot more about that. If you want to reach out and work with him, I think it will definitely be beneficial because we need to. A lot of us just stop eating and we wonder why it doesn't work instead of working with someone who can walk him through that process. So thank you so much for that, for that, Brian. Yeah. Now, let's talk about hormonal benefits. Can you talk about that earlier as well? Right. So what are some hormonal benefits of intermittent fasting? Yeah. And, you know, we touched a little bit on earlier and and fasting is the most efficient and consistent strategy to decrease insulin levels, which is a hormone because almost all all foods raise insulin right now. There's a lot of people who, you know, you know, eat a lot of fats and that won't affect your insulin as much as as maybe uh, refined carbs. So, you know, there are ways to get around it per se, but nothing, nothing will have a more profound impact on your insulin than just fasting. Uh, Another one is growth hormone. I mean, there's studies showing that um, you can get a stimuli to growth hormone just from fasting. Uh, there was one, I, it was like a five day fast. Now, I'm not promoting necessarily a five day fast unless you've really have been doing it for a while, but it showed that over a five day fasting period, secretion of growth hormone almost doubled. So it is amazing what the body will do when you leave it alone. <laughs> um, and how we're meant to survive without periods of food. Another one would be noradrenaline levels. Um, and those can be increased uh, and give you plenty of energy. So, you know, you wonder how our ancestors made it without food. Well, one of them is they got more energy from fasting. And there was another study done 48 hours of fasting increased um, metabolic rate by like almost 4%. So there's not this like dreaded metabolic shutdown that people think, oh, am I just going to completely slow my metabolism if I fast? Well, no, it's actually the complete opposite. So, um, those hormonal benefits are why fasting is so much better than just, you know, calorie restricting and eating all day, but, you know, sort of you're somewhat in like a starvation mode. Right. And if you're properly fasting, you're not in that post meal state all the time where you constantly have to break down food, right? You're constantly having to, your body constantly, your digestion never get a break. It never gets to rest. It's always going, which leads to a lot of health issues as well. So yeah, I, thank you so much for sharing that. Now, let's talk about ways to start intermittent fasting. A lot of people, and again, I say this probably like three times already, they just jump into it, think I'm just not going to eat. I'm going to eat once a day and I'm going to lose 100 pounds and I'll feel great. But how are we supposed to actually start intermittent fasting? Well, I always say like fasting is like a muscle, right? You got to, you got to build that muscle. It doesn't, you don't build muscle overnight, right? So you got to ease into it, go slow, maybe find someone like yourself or myself to help guide you. Um, I came out with in 2017, I came out with, maybe I have it right here. It's a simple intermittent fasting journal. You could use something like that. There's tons of apps, but some type of guidance I think is so important. Maybe even find a partner to do it with. It's things are obviously whether it's lifting weights or doing anything, um, in general is much better when you have someone to do it with. Um, so find a challenge, find a partner, um, get some guidance. Those are the best ways to start. And like I talked about earlier, don't just jump into it, right? Clean up your eating first, perhaps buy a little bit, make some changes there, eat real whole foods, then say, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to focus on not snacking. And then once you get that down, then you can maybe start getting into skipping meals or even just pushing back meals. You know, if you're usually used to eating breakfast at eight o'clock, maybe push it back an hour. And then once you get used to that, maybe after a few days or a week, then push it back another hour and then ease into it. That's how I got into it. 
And then you start to realize once you push it back and you're all the way till noon, you're like, oh, it wasn't so bad. So that those are some of the best ways I think to start. So the step-by-step approach, right? Right. So, and I'm glad you brought up the breakfast piece because this never made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Growing up, I grew up in Jamaica and wanted, I don't know if this is, if they say it in America too, but you can tell me if they do, but they say, eat like a king for breakfast, like a worker for lunch and a poor person for dinner, something like that, <laughs> right? Like a papa for dinner something like yeah, that. Do yeah. they say that here? I don't know if they yeah, say Yeah, I've that. heard. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. <laughs> and it never made sense to me because I'm like, somebody told me that one time and I looked at them and said, whoever told you that is an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason why is because when your insulin level is highest in the mornings, right? Cortisol is highest. Your insulin levels are highest. There's so many studies that show that, right? So then you eating in the morning, you know, creating a higher insulin response. It just doesn't make sense, (laughs) right? To eat in the morning, give your hormones that time to rest and settle down. Even with cortisol, there are certain things you have to do to give your cortisol time to slow down. And I have a short on that on my, on, um, it's like 12 minutes or so on the Zika, on my, on Zika health show, of course, on one of my weekend shorts from like January about things you can do to lower your cortisol levels in the morning as well to reduce hunger, promote fat burning, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So because your hormone levels are so high in the mornings, you don't want to promote that. You don't want to feed that. You want to have a proper routine to kind of slow that down a little bit. And it seems you have something to say. So go ahead. (laughs) No, no, I mean, I think, yeah, I do agree with you. I will say one thing about your, your, uh, that saying there is, um, eating too much. Well, like you talked about eating too close to bedtime is not good. Right. So if you are going to have a meal, that's maybe a little bit, um, higher on the glycemic load and maybe might cause some spikes in insulin or blood glucose, it, it, I would probably put it towards the middle of the day. Um, not right when you get up, obviously, like you said, but you are a little bit more insulin sensitive when the, when the sun's out and you know, when you're in the middle of the day, I preferably, I personally don't like to have big meals throughout the day. And I actually like to backload a lot of my, if I'm going to have carbs or anything towards the end of the day, because like we talked about earlier, I like to, I use fasting more for mental acuity and I have to do all my mental tasks during the morning and the midday. And now, you know, we're having this interview after this, I'm going to have a, you know, a decent sized meal and I won't have to think as much. (laughs) (laughs) I try, I try not to think when I don't have to. So there you go. I actually had uh, so this interview, just to get by the context, Eastern time, it's like 5.30 right now. I had my dinner an hour before this interview. That was my dinner. Nice. Now, I will have some glucose later on, some fruits and stuff around maybe 6 or 7, right? To uh, give my brain that blood glucose before I go to sleep. And there's a reason why I do that. Um, but I was even with the whole, the whole thing about the popper thing and all that, seriously, breakfast is when you break your fast. That could be 12 o'clock. That could be 1 o'clock. That can really be at 2 o'clock. Well, most people think breakfast, they think it's eight, nine o'clock in the morning. When I tell people I'm eating breakfast, it's like one o'clock or they're looking at me like, that's not breakfast, that's brunch. I'm like, call it whatever you want. I'm eating food. That's all I really care about. Right? Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I think I think part of the advantage of skipping breakfast, if you want to say, or skipping your first meal or not having it right away too, is if you think about what people are mainly eating when they get up, it's cereal, it's breads, it's muffins, it's croissants. And just avoiding that can really go a long way with your health and, and becoming more optimal. So, um, 
I love, I love breakfast food in the sense that I, I like eggs. And if you don't like eggs, that's fine. But, um, so I like to break my fast normally with a breakfast food, like eggs, um, like around two, three o'clock. So I guess that's my breakfast. <laughs> right. Yeah. You were the same. I usually break my, uh, break my fast with, uh, with fats. Usually what I saw with good, healthy fats, they take longer to digest. Um, this health is good for your gut keep my blood sugar steady. And I, just like I cycle ketosis, I also cycle carbs as well because I'm, I'm a maniac and I live six days a week for no apparent reason. Um, so I, I use my, I eat my carbs around the time when my brain and my body can use it best. Right. So, so do you normally, you mentioned you'll, you'll do like, you're going to have some, some fruits. Do you, you usually have fruits towards the end of the day? Does that help your sleep? Yes. Um, because my brain uses the glucose to help me to go to sleep. And um, I'm actually going to have a guest on the show who wrote the book. Um, is it Glenn Livingston? I believe is his name. He wrote a book on adrenaline and how adrenaline affects the brain. And he mentions that. I mean, I've been doing this like, years before he brought it out. But the fact that he mentioned in, the, in his book that because our brain prefers glucose, when you eat carbs towards the end of the day, your brain can use that for sleep and rest. But when you run out of carbs at night, your brain, especially if you're not metabolically flexible, which he didn't add in, but I'm going to add in if you're not metabolically flexible like myself, then that can raise your adrenaline because your body doesn't have any glucose to use and it's trying to break down the fat. But it's just like when you're awake and you don't have glucose, you're trying to break down the fat, you get hangry, your blood sugar drops. Similar effects can happen when you're sleeping, right? So, so yeah, so a little glucose and that can help. Like in the Lumen group, I've had individuals, especially with their, their metabolic flexibility is low, have said to me, I can't sleep. Like I'm getting good results. I'm losing weight. I'm, I'm burning fat when I go to bed, according to my test, but I can't sleep. I said, okay, try this. Try a little bit of complex carbs, just a little bit. Try a little bit of honey, apple cider vinegar, something like that. And days later, or sometime a week or two later, they'll say, wow, this, this is changed. My Actually, that wasn't my suggestion. Let me not take credit. It was someone else in the group that said that they'd use honey with apple cider vinegar. And I talked about using eating the complex carbs. And the, we had a long chain conversation about it. And many people come back and say, wow, I feel so much different going into sleep with a little bit of glucose for my brain, because my body does, is not in that, is not high cortisol state, especially again, if you're not metabolically flexible. Got it. Yeah. I like that tip. It's great. Awesome. My friend. So, and by the way, if you guys love that tip, I have an entire short as well about 10 minutes or so, maybe 15 on how to get quality sleep. And I bring up, I talk about raising blood glucose, the temperature of your room, so on and so forth. I think that's released in February. Go back and check that out. And I also have it on my website too, um, an, an, um, an article on how to get quality sleep. So you can check that out as well. But those things can be very beneficial for you, especially if you're struggling with it and you need to reset your circadian rhythm. Are you eating, now, fruit? Are you eating fruit on its own by itself? Usually, yes. Uh, I may throw in, I try to stay away from protein and fats at that time of night because it takes longer for my body to digest versus glucose my body can use immediately. Hmm. And that's the big difference because you're looking at a three hour, maybe four hours to digest versus something that my body can use within 30 minutes to an hour. So that's the big change there is it doesn't bog down my digestion going into sleep. Got it. Um, now, with that being said, um, Let's talk about hunger or some may call it hangry, right? <laughs> so what are some tips to overcome being hangry? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a common one. And 
I think the biggest tip that I like to give people going into fasting is to, is do it on days when you're busy and when, the, and when you have a lot of stuff going on, because I think we've all had days where we're really busy, maybe with work and stuff, and you skip a meal by accident, you don't even realize it. <laughs> so staying busy is, is probably my number one tip. And then like we talked about earlier, changing over your diet, eating cleaner, healthy fats and proteins. Um, also, I like to use sparkling water in between meals. Um, this is great. The carbonation, um, it just satisfies, um, and it's somewhat satiating and will help you sort of go through a fast. I like to use sparkling water when I, if I do a longer fast, um, like you mentioned, apple cider vinegar to blunt the blood sugar response right before meals. That's great as well. Or you could just have it in between meals. Um, obviously cut it with some water. I think the first time I had apple cider vinegar, I didn't like realize, I think I had it straight. I was like, Whoa. Um, <laughs> uh, so you definitely want to cut it with water. Um, and then, you know, black coffee, you know, unsweetened tea. I always say these are like, almost like training wheels when it comes to fasting. And eventually maybe you can do some wa- just straight water fast. But in the meantime, you know, black coffee, unsweetened tea, um, th- those help as well for overcoming hunger. And you know what, I think part of it is just sort of you got to just deal with it. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got, there's going to might be, a, you might be uncomfortable for a little bit, but hunger does come in waves. So if you're patient and you just let it come and go, the more you do that, you'll realize that I'm not truly hungry. This is just a state of the fact that I'm used to eating at a certain time. And so a lot of times you just got to just sit through that hunger and staying busy is the best way. I think. Yeah, I love that. And you know, I love the fact you brought up water as well. Because it is really true. Even people who are not health experts have told me this. Like sometimes when you think you're hungry, you're really right. thirsty. Drink some water and you won't feel hungry anymore. It's it's insane. I honestly I still don't know 100% the science behind it, but I'm glad you brought up water because that is really true. In fact, you, behind me, I have my my water with electrolytes. Yeah. I've eaten dinner. I'm having my kombucha. I'm drinking some water later. Then, of course, I have some carbs later. Oh, by the way, we're talking about um, fruits, berries as well. I know berries is not, are not technically a fruit, but I like to have some berries with my kind of mix it in as well with my diet. And sometimes I'll throw a kind bar in there or so, but, you know, something like that. But <laughs> I try to oh. stick to non-processed and as clean as I possibly can. Um, now, yeah. we talk about uh, water. We talk about being hangry. So... Let's talk about workouts. Because a lot of people feel like, okay, I can't work out in a fasted state. I've worked out multiple times in a fasted state and I feel amazing, no issues at all. But again, be metabolically flexible. But can someone work out in a fasted state and a curveball? What are some what are some things people to look out for to say that they should not work out in a fasted state, if any? Yeah. So um that's a good question, and it comes up a lot. And I'm with you. I do a lot of fasted workouts where I've been fasted for 16, 18 hours, and then I'll work out and then I'll break my fast after that. That's how I've been structuring it. Now, I would say people shouldn't do that if they feel like they're getting a bit of a decline in their workouts. Um, There's some studies around evidence both ways. Um, There's some studies showing that actually low intensity aerobic exercise um, can help you sort of enhance fat burning if you're in a, in a, um, if you're in a fasted state. So like getting up and going for a a light walk or light jog, um, first thing in the morning is a great way to sort of enhance fat burning. And you're in a fasted state, I would say yes. Um, because a lot of times eating carbs before some type of easy exercise, like, you know, walking 
that can blunt fat, fat oxidation. So, um, and that's an increase that's because of that increase in, in, in the hormone insulin. Um, but if you are doing perhaps an intense workout, this could be a like intense cardio or even strength training. There are some people, and there are some, some studies showing that perhaps having a little bit of something before, um, so training in a bit of a fed state might help with energy, even prevent maybe some muscle breakdown and over also, um, not, you know, reduce your overall stress burden. Cause if, if you know, fasting is a stressor, working out is a stressor. And sometimes if you overdo both of them together, that you can sort of go a little bit backwards, uh, as far as advancing and gaining muscle. Now I've gotten stronger and put on muscle for a good while now. I pretty much work out in a fasted state 90% of the time, but I think it's a case by case self-experimentation, um, uh, basis in the sense that try both and see how you feel, see how you're gain if you're getting gains one way or the other. And I would just say that if you're doing a light cardio, like a light jog or something like that, I would say do that fasted. And then once you get used to that, if you want to try a more intense workout in a fasted state, um, give that a go as well. But, you know, a lot of people do, you know, do pre-workouts, maybe with a little bit of whey protein or some MCTs for energy. And, and that can, that can help get, you know, maximize muscle gains. So I think it's, it, it could, you could go either way, right? I think it just depends. I'm glad you brought up um, the workout piece, though, and that's ex exactly where I was expecting you to go with this. So thank you so much for that, because, yeah. yeah, that's one. That's a big conversation I've had with individuals, especially those who are trying to lose weight. And I tell them that, they, you know, we're a lot of times this was stuck in that mindset of I'm just going to keep working out, working out, working out and burn, burn, burn and burn more calories than I eat and so on and so forth. And a week, few weeks later, they're like. I didn't lose any weight or I gained weight sometimes, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And the intensity of the workout plays a huge difference. We know now that zone one, zone two, and I have an episode on that, of course, a short on the different workouts and how they promote fat burning. If I'm going to go for a brisk walk, I don't need to carve up for that. Right? <laughs> if, you know, yeah, even right. if I'm going on a light jog, I saw the one of my colleagues, actually, he's, uh, he's training for a marathon. It's he's just completely insane. I think it's uh, 60 something miles. It's mm. just taking 10 hours, something like that. I don't have that kind of time nor patience, but <laughs> he was telling me that, you know, at, one, at some point it becomes really mental. But he was also bringing up that the way he runs is not about just taking off. It's really about training his body to break down its own fat. So he has to stay in about a zone two for most of his run. Mm -hmm. And he has a monitor that he wears. And so he knows when he's in that zone two. And that's what we're talking about right here. Being in that zone one, zone two, where your body is using mostly fat for energy and not carbs. Now, sometimes it can be hard to sustain that for a long period of time. Again, unless you're metabolically flexible, even then it can get challenging. But if you're trying to lose weight, try to work out in the lower zones in a fastest state can make a huge difference. Now, when I'm cycling ketosis, right? I use ketones to power my workout when I'm going to go heavy. When I'm going into the anaerobic zone, I need something extra to push me into the anaero anaerobic zone, right? Mm -hmm. um, my runs are shorter. I don't even do as much cardio because usually my ketosis is usually in colder months, which is an ancestral thing behind it. Not going to get into all that right now, but usually I cycle, in, cycle it in colder months, right? So there's there's a, there's science and anecdotal evidence to say that just by moving and walking 
in a fast state. Our ancestors, let me talk about that real quick. They didn't run all the time. They didn't run just for the sake of run. They weren't marathons 200 years ago. If they were, I don't know about it, but I don't think they were marathons, right? They were People ran away from things or toward things in short bursts. And most of the time they were walking and they were moving, mm-hmm. walking and moving, which promotes fat adaptation, walking around looking for food. There's a, there's a book I was reading that mentioned that when we moved into the hunter, from the hunter gatherer phase into more like the farmer phase, right? Mm-hmm. Farming phase, then that's when we start to see changes in our health because people weren't as active. They weren't moving around as much. That's an important piece. So constant movement. It is not is not a gimmick to say take at least ten to twelve thousand steps a day. It's a real thing. If you talk to most people overweight, they will tell you that they. When I tell them ten to twelve thousand steps, they look at me like I'm crazy. They're like, "How do you do that?" I don't. I might even. Some say they don't even get that many steps in a week. <laughs> and I'm like, "And you're wondering why you're overweight? <laughs> like you don't even get that many steps in a week?" Let me tell you, we could have a whole podcast on the importance of just going for a walk. I actually. Um, I, I like to stress to clients, go for a, the best time I think to go for a walk is first thing in the morning and um, after a meal. And I've been wearing a CGM on and off now. I actually just just got another one and, I'm, and I'm, I, I was looking at it today because I ate something before this podcast and then went for a walk with my dogs. And my blood glucose went down right away after the meal. And it just shows you that just going for a walk can go a long way with helping control blood glucose levels and also helping with digestion. So, um, we could, yeah, we could talk about that for, you know, forever on the importance of it. Thank you. It's important for your digestion, um, your hormones, so on and so forth. Thank you for sharing that. Cause that's mm-hmm. really huge. Everyone go for a walk after you meet. I'm not saying power walk, right. let's go for a walk, go out, you know, go, you know, talk to your kids, your husband, your wife, and don't your bring friends, yourself ever. <laughs> don't and bring don't bring your cell phone. Yes, I can't stay. I I I go on like three, four walks a day with my dogs, and you know, I'm in Chicago. It's fairly cold here, um, and I just see people walking with their dog. They're looking at their phone. They don't even know where they're going, and I'm thinking to myself, you can't go like 15, 20 minutes and not look at your phone. You have to, you know, it's like I just think it defeats the purpose a little bit. But that's a whole other topic. And then there's a, that's actually, that's perfect for this topic as well, because that increases adrenaline in the brain. A lot of people don't realize that that excess adrenaline is not good for fat burning. It actually promotes car burning and raises your insulin levels, which again, Mm. um, my guest that comes on in a few weeks, he's going to talk about that um, a lot in further details. I won't give away everything because I want everyone to listen and learn from that episode, because there's a reason why when we wake up, we have to check the phones. And oftentimes people who are like that don't have good sleep hygiene. Mm-hmm. When you wake up and your brain immediately goes to the phone, that means that that's the excess adrenaline. Your brain is constantly going. It's not really shut off. Even when you're trying to go to sleep, you're in work mode. You wake up, you're immediately in work mode. That excess adrenaline, you always have to be on the phone. So sometimes get away from your devices. I have to do it. I have to tell myself sometimes. And sometimes I do not charge my phone on purpose. Mm-hmm. So I know when I go for a walk, I have to put it on the charger. <laughs> and I go for a walk and I train myself like a puppy, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. I agree. That's great. Now, you've given us some wonderful tips, man, I, especially towards the end that we talk about the working out piece. We talk about hormones, step by step process. I mean, this this is just this is this is gangbuster stuff, right? <laughs> now, is there anything you have to add that I haven't asked or you would like to discuss? You know, n- not really. I really do think we fit a lot of great tips on, on, on the whole podcast. I would just say that 
some questions about who shouldn't fast. And I would just say, obviously, if you're pregnant, breastfeeding, maybe you have a history of disordered eating, um, chronically stressed, like we talked about fasting as a stressor. So, um, you'll want to not do it in times of where, you know, you're obviously stressed in other areas of your life. Um, and you talk about sleep. If you're not sleeping real well, maybe you shouldn't be doing fasting right off the bat, focus on getting that sleep better. Um, so that's all I want. And also obviously if you're undernourished in, in general, or, you know, if you're less than, I don't even know, like I would say less than 8% body fat, you probably don't really need to be doing much fasting. So, um, just listen to your body. I think it's most important, but, um, but I would say for the majority of people out there doing some type of fasting is beneficial. Um, and hopefully, you know, the tips you got today will, will help you get started. There's a, there's a movie on Netflix, right. With, uh, Damon Wayans Jr. <laughs> uh, by the way, he looks exactly like his dad. Like really? I saw, I was watching the movie and I was like, okay, did that go back in time? Like it really, I, I Googled their pictures to see them side by side. Wow. I'm like, okay, these are, they look exactly like the ears, <laughs> the head, everything. <laughs> and um, anyway, it's called Love Actually, I believe. And oh, okay. It's, it's a funny movie. And uh, <laughs> the, the lawyer was doing some research and she had to go on dates with different guys to do the research for the lawsuit. And one of the guys does intermittent fasting. And he was, the guy was, looking at her and he was like closing his eyes just like falling asleep as he was talking he was like yeah that's how cavemen used to do it and then she looked at him and said isn't the wasn't the life expectancy of cavemen like 25 years or something <laughs> but, oh, God. and that's the bad side of intermittent fasting right you just think you're just gonna stop eating and then your body starts to shut down and that this guy couldn't even carry on a conversation and i thought that was hilarious but you know but but sadly enough that actually happens though because we that's why it's important to work with a specialist work with an expert like brian so you can really learn these things and do it <laughs> properly so it can be successful now, with that being said, ma'am, thank you again. Um, yeah. How can my audience get in touch with you? Uh, best way is, you know, I, I actually, I have a podcast, uh, Get Leany Clean, uh, so they can check out my podcast if they want. Uh, also, just briangrin.com. Uh, and on there, if they want to get in touch with me, reach out, ask any questions, um, feel free. I have a 21-day fasting challenge up there. You don't fast for 21 days. It's called, uh, it, but it eases you into fasting. And so they can check out that 21dayfastingchallenge.com. Um, and those are, I would say, the best way to get in touch. Thanks, Brian. Also, I appreciate it. Also on Instagram as well. So who's not? No. <laughs> who's not on Instagram? Actually, I've interviewed some people who are not on Instagram. Yeah. You know what? Honestly, I, I do it. I love it for business and reaching out and sharing you know, content. But Honestly, if it didn't have anything to do with business, I don't know if I'd be on Instagram either. But, I'm right there with you. I, yeah. I post like three times, three, four times a week now versus seven days a week and focus my time and energy on making this wonderful podcast. There you go. For my family out there. By the way, thanks everyone for getting me in the top 1% in the world. I appreciate it. I wouldn't be able to do it without your comments, without you listening to my show, sharing it. Thanks, everyone, to everything you have done. And we're going to keep moving onward and upward. So thank you so much. Thank you, Brian, for being on the show. Enjoy yep. the rest of your day, buddy. Thanks for listening to the Zico Health Show. If you got good quality content out of this or any of my episodes, save, subscribe, and share it with family, friends, coworkers, or anyone 
this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.